Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live.
Yo. Not much. Got this weird, like, relish, pickly smell in my apartment that I've never smelled before, and I can't figure out where it's coming from. Got no hope. <laughs> it's a, it's not a good situation. Plus, Michigan just went on like an eleven zero run. That's fine. Uh, I'm real weak on this. So I mean, I I could go in depth to it, but I mean, we can. We're just trying to put something together. So. Yeah. yeah, I do. I did a little bit of prep, so um, I can go through some too. Um, and then we probably need to do one Sunday morning. It'll be easier for me to do it and then be able to edit it and get it out faster. So, Yeah, we could definitely do that. We got some Browns news to cover. Exactly. And then Paul, De- Paul DePodesta, that, that story on DePodesta, who crying about <laughs> yeah. being in line at the airport. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we need to hit some of that MLB stuff and possibly do an MLB preview. I don't know if it's okay. early. Um, you tell me. Yeah. Um, I think uh, maybe next Sunday would be a good day to do the MLB preview. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah, I think if you if we do it next Sunday, then uh, oh wait, next Sunday's Easter, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah, um, I could do it Saturday morning. Yeah, that's fine. That's well, no, I work Saturday morning. What the fuck am I talking? Okay. Okay. Um, Actually, we might well, we, we, early. We could do it early though, because I'll be up. Maybe. Well, you'd have to. I mean, we'd have to do it like six thirty. So on Saturday. In. Yeah, I go in at eight. So I would need. I could do it real early. On, I I could do it on Sunday too. I mean. If you're up for it, I could do it like yeah, eight, could, like eight, eight o'clock Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to church or anything. I just got to meet up with my family probably for brunch. I'm actually close to another church. Oh, okay. Let's play it by ear because even if we do it yeah. day, during the day sometime, I mean, it shouldn't take that long. Probably about forty five minutes. You know what I mean? I'm thinking. I don't know. It's not. I'm not, I just want to. We we're not breaking down each division or not. Just pick who we like in each division. Kind of say who's hot, who's not. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Just a general discussion. Yeah, I'll throw some ideas together too for it. I'll send them to you this week or this weekend. We can put something together. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not playing golf on Mondays anymore either, so I've got uh, a little bit more time. This week was our last week. Uh, Did you get the brackets? Putting up a $50 prize? Yeah, yeah, what's going on there? I meant to ask you that. Yeah, spread that around. Um, no, I'm just putting up 50 bucks. The one dude that you're, you know, contributes on Facebook really wanted one, so, you know, put it out there. I figured, you know, if we get some people, if we know, you know. Uh, How many do we got so far? Any idea? I think it's like three people. I think it's just me, him, and a couple, uh, one other dude from Twitter. So, but I haven't checked it yet. 
Really? I thought I filled one out, too. That was just, oh, well, that was what I'm saying. This was as of, like, Sunday night or, yeah. I haven't checked it. Yeah, we should retweet it a couple times, too. Yeah, that's really cool of you. We'll definitely get it out there. Um, I'm not doing a show this week. i got to actually work Friday. My boss has had uh, spring training, so uh, this next, from Friday to next Monday, I'm basically running the, running the show for him. Um, so live show will be next Thursday, will be the next one, and then back to regular schedule on Fridays. Uh, I mean, just, just plug it because that gives plenty of time on here. Yeah. All right. And then I start I start back up there again uh, mid-April. So, And then I'm also starting, I'm going to be a, a GA there. So I'm going to be there five days a week. Uh, four days it'll be 10 hours, and uh, Fridays it'll be eight hours. So I'll be there and doing a lot more stuff with blogs and stuff like that. So we'll have yeah, some more okay. content here coming up. What's that? That you'll be there all the time. <laughs> Pretty much. So I'll have access to the studios. Uh, they're getting a new phone system, so we can record podcasts. Uh, I could record from a studio, record it right to Adobe Edition, and get them out pretty and get them out quicker. Okay. And at the very least, cut some of your work in half too. So since you're doing a lot of the, since you got this new job. I'm getting a handle on it. I'm just trying to fuck it. Yeah, I hear you. I've, I've been, like I said, working during the day, too, so it's not, uh, not nothing I can do out on a truck, really. All right. How, oh, how's the sound? By the way? Uh, you're a little muffly. I'm not going to use those headphones then. That's better. Yeah. Mine okay? Yeah, you're good. You're loud and clear. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J. Show 83, we embrace the madness. You know what time of year it is. Tip it off. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to CBUS, and we're going dancing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, show 83, Embracing March Madness. Uh, we're talking college basketball, all college basketball, going through some of the best things about the tournament and uh, this year, some of the worst things about the tournament. Uh, we start with snubs. Who's not in the tournament? Who should have been? Uh, do we feel bad for any teams, especially the Ohio State Buckeyes? Um, you think about Mamas, Akron, some of the other programs out there that got snubbed as well. Um, we talk about what the uh, Ohio State – slightly edging out Akron at home in the NIT uh, means for Coach Sadmon and the state of that program briefly. And then uh, we talk about LSU opting out with the quote-unquote number one overall draft pick, Ben Simmons, uh, who we know is gone. But what does that mean for his college basketball legacy and potential in the NBA? Um, we then look at some intriguing matchups in the tourney, that, uh, some intriguing potential matchups in the tourney at, uh, down the road in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight. Um, 
And then, of course, we have Jake go inside the book and give us some of the odds on uh, best attorney possible winners and how you can make a little cash in attorney. And we predict our final four. So that's this show. We're embracing the madness. Jake, you know, it's our favorite time of year. Um, but I think we both begin with, you know, who's not in the tournament. First of all, the fact that Syracuse got in over all these teams that could be, I mean, Mamas, you know, wins 13 games in a row, knocks off, you know, Georgetown, all these big programs, and still, you know, maybe the antics didn't impress the old fogies. And, you know, Beheim gets up and pretty much thumbs his nose at the NCAA and everybody in college basketball, and somehow the Orangemen get the bid over Akron's and all the other maybe more deserving teams out there. Yeah, you know, this kind of thing happens every year, but it seems like these last couple of years especially, uh, the committee has gone back to uh, really the the trend away from the mid-majors and going back to the, the, big, the big boys, the Power Five conferences. Uh, you're right, Monmouth had 27 wins. Um, you know, you, you have some bad conference wins, but you're in conference. These teams know each other all the time. When you schedule at Notre Dame, at UCLA, at Georgetown, uh, there's nothing else you can do if you're a team like Monmouth. Uh, none of these big guys are going to come back to you, so you went out of conference. What can you do that, you know, you, you just happened to schedule Georgetown and UCLA in down years, uh, so they didn't help you as much. But uh, I, I would like to see the committee reward some of these smaller schools. Uh, it, it, there's a big, uh, a big difference in – in the style of play, too, that I like to see in the tournament with the smaller schools and the senior-laden rosters versus uh, the big boys and their one-and-dones and sophomores and real real youth-oriented but skilled teams. Uh, it makes for such interesting matchups uh, come this time of year. I, I'd really like to see more of it and not less. And teams like Tulsa and Michigan, um, like you said, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, I mean, it, there, there's no need to have these teams in the tournament in my mind. St. Mary's and this is another team, too, that got left out that had a great season and just lost the conference tournament to Gonzaga. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you win that conference tournament, and we can talk about even that real quick. The conference tournament seems like it's not even holding any weight with the committee. I mean, you look at some of the seeding, I mean, the fact that, you know, Michigan State wins their conference tournament in the Big Ten and the Big Ten has, you know, five teams, well, with, you know, the team up north playing their way in, has five teams, you know, in the tournament. How they get <laughs> two seed is, doesn't even make sense. So I think the seeding was off by the committee, as always. You know, I have some problems with that. But in this case, I mean, this Syracuse getting in, where they, they don't even go 500 in their own conference. Um, and you have teams winning conferences or playing, like you said, St. Mary's in this conference championship game. It's just uh, the selection committee did themselves, did their reputation no favors. Um, yeah, you make a good point. Uh, how about Kentucky? They get a four seed, uh, and Texas A&M gets a three seed. Didn't, uh, didn't they play the day before? You know, it was like uh, th there were definitely, you're right, the tournaments didn't seem to really matter. It was almost like, uh, especially uh, come the championship games, especially it was like the NCAA had these tournament or had these brackets set before this, and uh, the outcomes really weren't going to affect that. Well, let's talk about the teams that. Oh, quickly, let's talk about the tournament that isn't the uh, one starting here. Um, 
for the big, for the big NCAA. Let's talk about the tournament. The other let's talk about the other tournament, the NIT, uh, a spirited contest the other night between the Akron Zips and the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, we know the motivation for the Zips and Keith Dan Brat. Um, they were smarting off of that last second, uh, well, that thrilling loss in the MAC tournament um, to Buffalo, but. Uh, your thoughts on the Zips? We know they were snubbed out, but uh, they gave Ohio State everything they can stand. And I think this just, you know, we had the comments from D'Angelo Russell talking about how he needed to work harder, but that really wasn't uh, the attitude or philosophy going around there at Ohio State. The program would coach that model. Clearly, we're disappointed that they're playing in NIT, but is this not a, you know, one of the things that we've been echoing for a while that, uh, beyond the placement of them in this tournament, but also, too, with those comments from D'Angelo Russell? We got some serious problems with the state of the program in Columbus. Well, you know, first off on Akron, there's a reason you don't schedule Akron and you want no part of Akron because uh, you're going to have some very motivated kids that can play basketball really well. Uh, Ohio State, obviously, the motivation of not making the big tournament uh, could have been a factor. Not having base Diop uh, also was a factor. You know, I didn't think I was going to watch very much of that game at all, and I ended up uh, watching most of the second half. Uh, I I was impressed uh, the way Mickey Mitchell was able to bounce back. Uh, Lyle, you know, he played it in maybe his worst game of the season against Michigan State in in the tournament in in a game that they had to have. Uh, And he played better. He missed that shot late. But Mark Loving iced it away with the free throws in overtime, and I like how they pulled away. Um, and they're going to get a, a tough test with Florida, so they'll get another opportunity here. I guess you take it with a grain of salt, and you want to win games um, and, and grow as a program. I don't know about the state of the program, though. You know, it, 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 we're a football school, first of all. Um, it, it, the basketball program has, I mean, honestly, been pretty good over the last 10 years or when uh, the Thad Mata era with 20-win seasons. Uh, Final Four appearances, uh, a great postseason record in general, Sweet 16s, uh, decent recruiting. The scheduling obviously is a factor in those 21 seasons all the time, but you won an NIT title. So uh, I I don't know how much more we can really ask out of this program. Uh, It's never going to be Duke or Kentucky, um, but I, I, I do agree that there feels like there might be some complacency in place uh, with the way things are done. And maybe D'Angelo Russell's comments are a little bit of a wake up call and uh, uh, maybe Thad uh, shakes it up a little bit and gets these guys working a little harder, hopefully. Well, I'm going to just be very concise. I think this guy has, you know, reached his plateau with this program. Clearly the recruiting has suffered Clearly, the player development has suffered. We talked about that before. We'll talk about it again here in the future. Um, and I just I can't go with that take. Uh, we're a football school. This 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 program is rich in history. You know, in basketball history, it's one of the things that drew me to Ohio State first. I love watching Jim Jackson and those guys play. And basketball, just to me, is you know one of my favorite sports um, that. I hold very dear, near and dear, and I know this Ohio State basketball team could be better. They have the resources. Um, and so, I, you know, that model, the scheduling has always been weak. He's piling up. He had another 21-win season this year, but look at what that 21 season – Twenty. he had another 20-win season this year. But what does this 21 season – 21 win, 
20-plus win season knee when you can't even compete in your own conference, you're, you're middle to the back of the pack of your own conference, and then you're struggling with uh, a, a MAC team in your own place. So uh, maybe the motivation is not there, but my thing is every time that you wear the scarlet and gray and you represent the great state of Ohio, um, you should be coming out, you know, with your best, and your coach should be, you know, emphasizing that and also uh, motivating you to be able to get the best out of you. So that's not happening right now, and it's very disappointing. So, and that I'll leave it at that. But that um, the other story that came out, we talk about another disappointing program, and maybe just a disappointing uh, showcase that we don't get to see is LSU opting out of any. Off season, which I wouldn't have been mad if Ohio, the Ohio State University did this, opting out of any postseason play. And Ben Simmons, like your favorite phrase, he's gone to the NBA. Uh, what do you think his legacy is? My my feelings are that, you know, if you can't, you know, even get your team to a level of comp- competitiveness and to make the big dance or even take it to the NIT, what, you know, you're going to struggle going to the NBA if you don't have that winning edge. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, if you're a college athlete and you're you're being touted as the you know next great uh, generational type player, um, or at least a, an all star type player, and you can't even get your team into the NCAA tournament, it's not saying that much good stuff about you. Uh, when I watched him, I thought he was passive, especially late in games. Uh, I, I think the talent's there, no doubt, but I question whether he's got the mental toughness and, and edge to be a great player in the NBA. Uh, that could come in time, too. I mean, we're talking about a, an 18-year-old kid uh, that was playing at LSU with a bunch of scrubs. So uh, th- there's still a lot of time. Uh, let me jump in right quick. Let me, let me jump in real quick. They're not a bunch of scrubs. they got five-star kids on that team. No, you're right. They, it's a that, bad that, coach. That recruiting class had been touted. Everybody was expecting big things, and I think they're the most disappointing. This might be one of the most disappointing subplots in college basketball this year. No, you're right. I shouldn't say that. It is more about a really bad coach, uh, I think, than it was uh, in how he used the players, and then a lot of unhel- a lot of bad luck with health as well for LSU. But um, that that's those are my feelings on Ben Simmons is that he's got a lot of maturing to do, especially uh, between the years. All right. Well, let's look at some of these potential matchups in the tournament. Uh, we're not going game by game, but, you know, there's some intriguing ones out there. It's a program that, I, I mean, we haven't talked about a lot on our podcast, but I've been tweeting about them in, during the season. I love this Providence program. I am, you know, very excited about that East region and Providence possibly meeting up with the Providence Friars, possibly meeting up with uh, – North Carolina, and even then going on, if they upset North Carolina to take on Kentucky, I think we will we will see in those games, which is the best part of the tournament, when you see guys that are going to the NBA that are highly competitive and coming from winning programs. Um, the Providence Friars have been in there since Austin Crozier in those days, but to have Vintel and Chris Dunn uh, go against, you know, Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks, and then possibly Jamal Murray, Tyler Ewis, and Anthony Portress. I mean, that that has me very excited about those that those those games coming up in the tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing then you also like Cal with a lot of their their NBA talent and probably Maryland uh, is kind of sleepers as well uh, by that theory. I, I just I, I think Providence has uh, two problems, and that they got to beat UNC to get to Kentucky, and then they got to beat Kentucky. Um, it, it would be a kind of a cool matchup to see them against Kentucky, uh, kind of the John Calipari Bowl, or I mean uh, the Rick Pitino Bowl. Of uh, college basketball, but uh, it, it, they definitely have the guard play. They've underachieved all year, but uh, I, I definitely like them uh, in that first round game against SoCal. I think SoCal's uh, been regressing a little bit there. I'll tell you like this too. I really love this East bracket. Um, it, it just has the teams that I'm very high on. It sucks that they're all uh, it's not, I'm basically like the bracket of death over here. Um, in the East, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kentucky and uh, UNC Xavier's had a great year. West Virginia might be one of the more dangerous teams in the tournament, but they don't really match up all that great with Notre Dame. So that'll be an interesting game if we get to that one. When we go to the South bracket. One of the most interesting potential matchups, um, which I think we might see Iowa losing five or six. I'm not too strong on them coming into the tournament. They could turn it around and have a great run, but I just don't see it. Temple's white hot. Uh, they had a good showing in the uh, Atlantic 10 tournament, um, getting to the, the uh, semifinals. But the potential of the Power 5 matchup with Villanova, who is always chokes like dogs in the tournament, even though they're the Wildcats, taking on the Owls. Um, I mean, this is a crosstown rivalry. It's silly, silly all day long, um, even though it's going to be played in Louisville or, no, played in – uh, possibly Brooklyn, but um, so you got the Philly teams playing in New York, which is weird. I don't know what a committee would like to do that, but I think this would be amazing, and I think Temple will upset the Wildcats, and we see Jay Wright's team once again. You talk about you know uh, a moniker or a uh, a bad uh, having a oh, I can't think of the word. You talk about having the bad mojo follow you is, you know, having to play somebody that you're very familiar with and then also very early on. It doesn't spend it doesn't it doesn't look well for the Wildcats getting out of the first weekend. Yeah, ask Ohio State last night. I know it's a lesser tournament, but uh it, you can see what an in state and you're talking about in city rival uh would be in that matchup. Uh, Iowa is an interesting team. You're right; they've really struggled late. But they, we're talking about a team that was, uh, I think, as high as number two in the country this year at one point. Uh, if they get, it's almost like the NCAA tournament might be the reset button they need. But uh, it, it's a tough matchup, and it'll definitely be really cool to see Temple versus Villanova. So I'm rooting for Temple in that game for sure. Uh, the other one in this bracket that I'm really looking forward to is the underachievement game of the year uh, in the second round. That would be Maryland versus Cal, both with uh, Cal with a couple NBA players on that team for sure. Maryland uh, with the uh, underwhelming performance this year for Melo Trimble. Diamond Stone is going to be huge for Maryland, whether they got to rebound and play defense in the interior better uh, to have a chance. Uh, and then Solomon uh, will be an X factor for sure for Maryland uh, in this tournament. They've got the potential as a five seed to make a deep run. Um, they, they can match up with Kansas. It's a matter of whether or not they can get it going in uh, a positive direction. Absolutely. I think he hit that one in the head. Um, I'd rap for Cal, though. This guy, we're talking top 
possibly top three. Um, he's going to be right there with Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons. And here's the thing about Ben Simmons not playing in this tourney. He, just putting up a triple-double in the first round and exiting early, still just is, we remember him. We'll remember all these guys that are playing that we mentioned. You know, if we're talking about the guys from Kentucky, you know, the couple of NBA picks from Providence. I mean, we've got Brandon Ingram from Duke, who we'll probably mention here later. You just talked about Maryland. I mean, um, Ivan Rath, you know, uh, it's – who Ben Simmons? Who? I mean, that's what it's going to be like by the time we get through all this action in the tournament. So, um, but definitely like that matchup, and I do think Maryland matches up very well with Kansas. I agree with that. You know, uh, my in my world, we we go down to the West, and it, it, it's a very intriguing game. But I think. Hold, hold on one second on that South. I, I want to comment. the the other sh- The other shame of, of the Ben Simmons thing is. You were you said you would remember Ben Simmons, and and that's all true. But it's the exposure to the other players on Ben Simmons' team that you're going to forget. You know, you mentioned how they do have great talent. They do, but I don't know anybody's name on that team other than Ben Simmons. And by LSU not being in that tournament, it, it's a lost opportunity for these other guys that are really good on LSU to get some exposure, at least for a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, me, I'm, I'm a, I, I know Alan Quarterman to me was better than Ben Simmons this year, uh, in my opinion, even though he put up the stats. Uh, Anthony Blakely, he really didn't play well. They have Hornsby, who's a shooter, who's the son of the Jazz player, Bruce Hornsby. Um, you know, but yeah, like you said, there's, there, they got Victor who comes off the bench. Um, they, they got some, they, they actually, the team is good. He says, like, it was one of the worst coaching jobs. And I mean, we're not going to turn this into the LS Dash LSU podcast, but, you know, it just, it's, it's a Please. shame that you don't see that talent, you know, in the tournament. Um, exactly. Uh, one thing that's intriguing here, Wichita State was on fire the other night, and they got a, they, they draw an Arizona team who, Arizona with Tarnuski should be good um, and move easily forward, but Wichita State looks like they got that magic going that only the Shockers can. So uh, these guys are tournament tested and proven. Um, they're basically the Boise State of college basketball. You cannot turn your back on the Shockers, the weak Shockers, you know. So uh, I, it, I got Arizona going far, but, man, I would not be shocked at all if Wichita State gets out of the opening round weekend, uh, getting past Miami as well, who Jim Laranega has got something going good down there. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami upsets. I'm trying to find an upset place to not go chalk. That, that's two places that I could see two teams maybe shaking it up to get out of the first weekend, but um, I'm still going chalk on my bracket, so. <laughs> I, I went chalk mostly on my bracket. I, I did pull a couple upsets. Uh, I, I like Yale in the 12-5 uh, against Baylor in the West. We haven't talked about the West yet, so uh, that'll be an that'll be an interesting game. Uh, the nerds, and then it'll be nerds versus nerds in the second round, which would be a cool game. Yale versus Duke. Now, you love to say this about college football all the time. People are going crazy down in North Carolina. They think UNC Wilmington has a real shot to knock off Duke just because of that thing that you always say. you got a bunch of kids that have been sitting around for the last four years have been told they weren't good enough to attend Duke or North Carolina. They get a shot at one of these true blue bloods of college basketball, and there people are calling for an upset. I think it's crazy, but I'm just telling you what's going on in the local chatter down in the, you know, down in the hills of North Carolina. Well, you know, I mean, it's do they have enough to to keep it together for a, a full game, a full sixty minutes against a, a team like Duke, um, or forty eight minutes? Is that what it well, is in college basketball? Forty minutes, forty minutes yeah, in college basketball. Yeah, forty yeah. minutes. 
Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, right, right, right. It, um, no, I don't think it'll happen. I think Duke's too polished. I think Coach K's been in these situations before. Uh, Grayson Allen's been great. Uh, they, they definitely have the talent advantage for sure. But you know, I mean, it, it's. I think it was a ten-point line right now for Duke, something like that. So, I mean, it, it could be a close closer game than some people think, but uh, I don't see the upset. Yeah, it's a 10-point line right now, so I mean, that's rel- relatively close, I guess, for for the what sees that a 4-13, I think, so uh, I, I don't see it happening, though. But you're going to find some of these upsets somewhere. Like I said, I, I like Yale uh, against Baylor in a 12-5. That's always a, a, the very popular um, upset spot. Well, I'll tell you this, too. You're, Aaron, it doesn't matter what teams we're talking about. What even Duke, though, that doesn't have the depth this year with Emil Jefferson uh, being out for the season with that foot injury. Um, they've been struggling to keep that front line intact, which is Plumlee out there. And Brandon Ingram doing his best, though. He's, you know, a little light in the loafers. That that team is very susceptible. There's a couple bad foul calls, you know, a couple guys sitting in the first half, and the, the team thinks they can start believing in energy. The same problem that – Providence will have um, these teams that have very good players but not great depth. So there's a lot of teams like that in the tournament that can have that you know issue. Um, and if they get some bad calls, some bad foul calls, or somebody gets in foul trouble, we don't get to see the guys that we really want to see. Um, that, that we can see some early exits from some uh, teams. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that one, especially if Vegas after that ten, uh, I'm not taking that upset. I'm just saying what people are. You know, they're nah, saying what the word on the street is. Just saying what the word on the street is. You know, or the word around Another- the show, actually. Another interesting matchup in that bracket, uh, potentially, and it's a little bit of a long shot, but uh, Texas uh, Texas could possibly play VCU in the Sweet 16, and that would, of course, be Shaka Smart uh, against his old team in VCU. Absolutely. You know, I'm very intrigued, very intrigued by this. Um, I, I will tell you this, though. I think Texas A&M, they were a – I mean, maybe a shot away from beating Kentucky in that SEC championship. They took them to overtime yet again this year. So I'm very high on Texas A&M. So I don't think we see this matchup. But, man, would it be, how great would it be to have a week of hype of Chaka Smart going against his old team, you know, his old program. So I think that would be very intriguing. Here's the other thing. And I'm going to say this. I've been high on Oklahoma all year long. Uh, I love Buddy Hill, but you know what I don't love? That point guard for Oklahoma, and I'm sorry his name escapes me right now, but this guy makes some of the worst decisions, and they shoot a lot of threes, but the other guys on that team are not Buddy Hill. So you got guys coming down, jacking up quick shots, and that is a recipe for an early exit in a tournament. So I am a little lukewarm on the Oklahoma Spooners, even though I wanted to, if they would have had a better draw, um, you know, hitting VCU and possibly then Texas A&M or Texas, you know, or even Northern Iowa, if you wanted to feel upset heavy in that in that West region and then possibly Oregon or I'll tell you this, one of my sleepers and I, I feel bad for the Cincinnati Bearcats who always seem to have the worst matchup, St. Joe's. I mean, the games, the way they played through the Atlantic 10 tournament was one of the most impressive things. I mean, they went through that thing like a buzzsaw. So I think St. Joe's, I love the hot teams that come into the tournament. They're going to have all they can stand against a, a good Cincinnati team. And then of course with Oregon, but if they would somehow, they they could be the story of the tournament, just getting out of that first weekend and um, a potential matchup with uh, 
with Duke or Baylor or, you know, whoever else makes it into that West region in the Elite Eight. So I really like St. Joe's as a possible sleeper. If you're looking for some action out there, you want to get away from the chalk. And actually, I, as much as I like Yale, if Baylor can get by Yale, uh, I, I think they match up pretty well with Duke. And then they match up all right with Oregon as well. So they, they could, if they can get by Yale, be someone who could get going a little bit as well. Let's talk about this Oregon Ducks team because I don't think they, they are they are really the weakest number one seed. I believe they should have been a two seed. You know, uh, Michigan State deserved to be a one seed. But real quick, this Oregon Ducks team is nothing to sneeze at. They have went through the Pac-12, which is not that tough in basketball. I know. I think it's a little underrated, though. Yeah, I think Arizona is underseeded uh, uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, you got Arizona underseeded. Uh, I think Colorado might even be underseeded. Um, you know, yeah, Utah. Utah. I mean, you, you look at the teams that they got in here. These are not, you know, th- these are teams that won't go uh, early into the light. You know, so I really think Oregon, though, they, they it, it, the way that it shakes out. I mean, God forbid Oregon plays Baylor. Baylor gets by Duke. We'll have those, you know, fluorescent green on fluorescent green. And I heard that, and I, I'm stealing that from somebody. I heard that on the radio, so I'm not going to act like I came up with that on my own. But it was funny. You're right. Um, that could be the hardest know. game ever to watch. Exactly. And it might be the funniest <laughs> game to watch because both of those teams like to get up and down yes. the court. But uh, you talk about Rico Gathers. Uh, the only problem that I see with Baylor, they, Rico Gathers is a beast on the boards and whatnot. But I feel like they, when they go to their bench, they lose a little bit of rebounding. And this Oregon team just comes at you in waves with their offense, with their pressure. Um, the Oregon Ducks are for real. So uh, you can definitely see Oregon. I mean, we could be talking about them, you know, in three weeks from now, talking about them that's possibly Final Four, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, n- not, a lot of, not a lot of hype coming up uh, around Oregon, maybe because nobody ever gets to see them because they play out west. Uh, but uh, they they play basketball kind of like they play football. Yeah, you got to have the Pac-12 network or that elusive CBS Sports Network. So um, <laughs> if you want to catch Oregon play. All right, let's get to the last one that we talked about. Of course, we bring it on back home to the Midwest the games. You know that end up in Chicago. Uh, we we got some teams down here. I, I, another game where you know uh, people are calling a possible upset. This is the second year back to back for Hampton being in there. Uh, we know that, you know, it's always the first team to 58 against the Virginia Cavaliers and that pack line defense. But uh, let's just be honest. You look through this bracket, I don't see a lot of action on the Virginia side. And they got the worst draw of any team, which they have to once again go up against Michigan State three years in a row that it looks like they're happening down in this bracket. Pulling for the Dayton Flyers, I think they get by Syracuse. Um, Utah, as mentioned, I think they, you know, end up, Land Gonzaga or Seton Hall or something like that, but Michigan State's coming out of that bottom, and Virginia clearly is coming out of that top. Does Virginia, you know, finally get by Izzo and the Spartans? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, me. Yeah, sorry about that. No problem. Uh, yeah, the NCAA committee uh, has is kind of ruthless here to UVA. Uh, the Wahoos draw Sparty again in the same bracket for the third straight year. This might be the year that they could get it done. I mean, obviously they have experience against Michigan State in these big games. They know what to expect. 
they obviously have a very talented team, number one seed overall. Michigan State probably should have been a one seed, so definitely no favors. Uh, Gonzaga's an interesting team to me. As an 11 seed, I think they're really underseeded. Uh, with, I mean, you got two pros in Sabonis and Wilkshire on that team. Um, and Utah, poor Utah as a, as a number three seed, is going to see him in the second round. That would be a really interesting matchup with uh, the size of Utah as well. Uh, yeah, Dayton, Dayton, yeah, total versus uh, total versus bonus. You know, it, it harkens back to the old days of centers. So I mean, both those guys are a little a total total is big, but um, Sabonis it'll be a great matchup. And then you mentioned Wilshire. Don't don't the t- folks don't sleep on him out there. He's a former Kentucky transfer, so that's where you've heard that name before. Yeah, and uh, you know a lot. Of, Dayton didn't play real good down the stretch, but. Uh, you know, I just don't see Syracuse being able to score with Dayton. Uh, Dayton plays really good three-point defense as well. So uh, Syracuse is going to, I think, going to have their hands full with Dayton, uh, despite the my theory that these teams that everybody just slams, like uh, Tulsa tonight and uh, Syracuse, as far as the last ones getting in, generally have a little extra motivation. So they may hang around for a while, but I think Dayton ultimately is a better team there. Uh, so we hope for uh, Archie Miller and and uh, the Flyers. But uh, it's definitely going to come down to Sparty and Virginia, and I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler here. Virginia's in my Final Four. Oh, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I was I was huge on them, but this draw just, you know, took it all away. We're talking about, a, and it's just real quick, we're talking about Izzo, Tom Izzo. Um, we're talking about the Michigan State Spartans, who are number one in assists in college basketball, number one in three-pointers made in college basketball, and the number one in assists to made field goals in college basketball. So, and we're talking about a Virginia team, once again, who if they they get to the 58 points, they win. So, I mean, and they struggle to do that with Malcolm Brogdon and that crew down there, parenthesis. Um, you know, I, I just feel bad for Tony Bennett because it's going to be like he's literally in Tom Mizzo's shadow, which nobody's possibly ever said before in life with the size of Tom Mizzo. So, you know what I mean? That's basically what <laughs> Tony Bennett yeah, is going to be known for. I hear you. It, it's going to have to be a dogfight, and Brogdon's going to have to outplay Valentine. Uh, but, you know, it's one night. Somebody's going to have Forbes off that three-point line, so we know that guy can get hot. Um, and Costello come on. So the Ohio product, uh, one another kid who's not playing for Ohio State. Uh, we think about the other Ohio teams, though. You talked about the Red Scare and Xavier. Hoping, I mean, basically I've adopted these guys. I'm wishing that they go far in the tournament and uh, do the great state of Ohio proud without the Buckeyes in there. Yeah, I mean, they're a two-seat for a reason, and uh, I got actually uh, in the book here. I'll give you a nice little stat on on uh, X. Well, cue the music. Let's go ahead and go in the book and get some of these odds because, you know, this is where I like to, you know, spend every pay. I've been saving, spend all my savings on betting on the NCAA tournament, hoping to uh, turn a, a little nugget into a avalanche of cash. All right, well, let's go inside the book and look at a couple of these numbers. I saw some trends that were interesting. I mean, you're always interested in value when you're looking at these lines. Uh, Public perception is huge when you're gambling. You're trying to buy low, sell high. 
you don't you don't want to overreact to the the latest outcome. Uh, so that that's kind of why I like Dayton um, against Syracuse in this one. The line opened at Syracuse minus one, uh, and it's now Dayton minus one. But the bet the ticket total uh, is about sixty forty for Syracuse. So that means that. The money is coming in on Dayton, but most of the tickets are coming in on Syracuse. So that tells me right there that uh, the big money is coming in on Dayton. So uh, that kind of backs up also what I'm thinking. Um, another interesting team uh, uh, is Cal Bakerfield, believe it or not. Bakerfield is a 15 seed. Uh, they're taking on Oklahoma, the team that you just talked about, being a jump shooting team. I do think Buddy Hill's going to get to the basket a lot, but this line right now is sitting at 14 and a half. Long Kruger is four and eight against the spread in postseason. Meanwhile, Bakersfield head coach Rod Barnes 13 and two against the spread in postseason play. Uh, also, Oklahoma 25 and seven this year, but they were 12 and 18 against the spread in the regular season, the worst in the tournament. Um, so. That might be uh, one to take a look at, Cal Bakersfield, plus 14 and a half. Uh, a couple other trends. I mentioned Xavier earlier. Go ahead, take your hop in. Yeah, I like that trend right there, what you said right there, because I think that bids well when you look at the matchups of Oklahoma going on to take on the next round game, uh, the winner of VCU, Oregon State. I mean, you know that game's going to be a little bit tighter, so you want to be looking at that line as well uh, with that against the spread. That, that against the spread. I mean, I would, I would double that up back-to-back back if you're having a good weekend in Vegas and just ride that baby until um, Sunday night, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Plus, you mentioned uh, another good point about that game. Uh, Oklahoma being a two-seed, going to kind of overlook Bakersfield a little bit, maybe not take them quite as seriously looking into that next matchup on Saturday uh, that they have coming up. So uh, that's another plus in the Bakersfield category, I guess. Uh, th- that stat I mentioned on is Xavier. Uh, good news uh, if you're betting Xavier, not necessarily to win, but they are very good straight up as well. Uh, but since 2004, Xavier 19-3-2 against the spread since 2004. Uh, they open up uh, against Weaver State, minus 13.5. So you might want to take a look at Xavier, especially here in this first round. Uh, five seeds, the infamous five, uh, 12, or 12 five seeds, 17 and 15 straight up are the five seeds against the 12 seed. But against the spread, 11, 19, and two since 2009. Uh, so there's definitely data to back up uh, the theory that the 12 seeds and the five seeds are where the upsets are at. Utah Utes. 45-1 and one straight up as seven-point favorites. 32-13-1 um, I'm sorry, 32-13-1 and one against the spread as seven-point favorites with Coach Larry Kristoviak, okay? Uh, they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites against Fresno. So I, I definitely like Utah in this first-round matchup. They're kind of flying under the radar. Uh, and then Sean Miller, we talked about Wichita State being red-hot. Um, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. They're, they're that team now that we're talking about that it might be a little bit overhyped, uh, might 
be a little public perception is that Wichita is the team to beat in this situation. But Arizona's a little underseeded, I think. And Sean Miller has had great success in the NCAA tournament against the spread. Sean Miller 16-8-1 against the spread in the tournament. Uh, so right now, minus two against Wichita State. That line opened as a pick em, um, but now it's uh, Arizona minus two with a lot of the percentage, again, on Wichita State as far as ticket count, but not so much maybe on money. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of an interesting stat that I saw this year. Um, $9.2 billion will be wagered this year on the NCAA tournament. That includes everything from bracket challenges to bookies to the legal bets in Vegas to the offshores. About $9.2 billion bet on this year's tournament, and 70 million brackets will be filled out, and no one will get them all right. That's it. Good luck. Keep cashing. Talk to you next time. Well, I think I got a good chance to get it all right, but that's just my endless hope for the NCAA tournament. Um, and no, that's not my nine point two billion. So maybe uh, one in one million. You know, no. Um, look at looking at this Final Four. What you got? Let's lay it out there. Um, you want to go region by region? We start, uh, I think, in the in the weakest region with that Oregon number one seed and Oklahoma number two seed in the West. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I've got Texas A&M coming out as a three seed. Um, I think they find a way to catch, to bottle this magic. If you haven't seen that Billy Kennedy story, it's, you know, uh, he was diagnosed with uh, uh, Parkinson's, and he's been fighting a mild part of Parkinson's. He's been fighting through it and uh, still able to coach and everything. Got the extension there. Of course, Texas A&M, the thrilling game, thrilling season. Um you know, they, they, they've had some ebbs and flows, but they've done one thing that you kind of want to see with a team in a tournament. Um, House and those guys have gotten hot early in the season. They got hot late. So they can roll off five games in a row and win. That's what you need to be able to do, especially in the NCAA tournament. So I like the Aggies to escape there, both Oregon and Oklahoma, and to make it out of the West region. Yeah, A&M's a good pick, the dangerous. I think this region is as wide open as any other region, uh, especially for the top four seeds. Uh, I, I I like the big-time player, the big-time guards. I know you said Oklahoma's a jump-shooting team, but I think Buddy Hill's able to get to the uh, get to the rack, create contact. Um, I, I think Oklahoma beats Oregon in the Elite Eight, and Oklahoma is my Final Four team from the West region. That's very. I mean, that should be my team, but I just like this Texas A&M team, man. I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe I hear you. Uh, you know, they they got my heartstrings right now. So you know, I mean, it's emotion over uh, head. Oh, it's like emotion over. I was about to say head, but emotion over heel. Um, let's go up to the number one overall seed. To we'd actually be going down south, but with Kansas, does anybody knock off the Jayhawks to get out of there? Let's just be honest. I mean, they're in my final four. I think Maryland's a very dangerous team for Kansas. Uh, I do think Kansas will get by them ultimately. I think the team that everybody is overlooking, the team everybody is disrespecting uh, is Jay Wright and Villanova. Uh, they definitely have the track record to to back up and warrant that criticism. But I don't see it as being this big bugaboo right now. And I think they have 
the players this year uh, to overcome some of that, especially in the guard play. I love guards in the NCAA tournament, and I think Villanova has enough to get by Kansas and go to the Final Four. Wow. Uh, Feels like somebody just melted my whole face right there. You just (laughs) Villanova over Kansas? Did you really just I just that? took him over Kansas. Oh, Lord. Well, we'll, we'll yep. be back with another edition of Wisconsin Ohio Bias next week. Let's talk about how Jake should have made Villanova, that Villanova, uh, Jay Wright, Final Four. Hey, hopefully Come Jay Wright back. takes your suit. Hey, uh, you and Jay Wright can go suit shopping while he's out of the Final Four. I mean, he wears great suits. Yeah. Great suits. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's go to the East uh, home of Jay Houston Wright. Houston Nova. All right. We 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 got the uh, overall number one seed North Carolina here. Um, some great teams in this. In, in the Blue Bloods, Indiana, and Kentucky will go head to head. God willing, an upset from Stony Brook at Chattanooga. You know, I've been high on Providence, probably shaking up this thing. But uh, you looked at the bottom part of it. Uh, the Fighting Irish can they get by Press Virginia and Xavier Press Virginia? Basically, a matchup down there. Uh, does anybody, you know, come out of that bottom east part, basically, for your Final Four team? Uh, for me, it's going to definitely be uh, Kentucky coming out. I just think that Ewis and Murray have found their chemistry, and the rest of those guys, like the Sierra and everybody, is doing their thing. I think Kentucky slides out of here to represent. And so this way it's not number one. I, I'm going to tell you like this. North Carolina this year has been one of the most disappointing teams. And I'll tell you like this. It's not even about the players or the kids on the team. It's about this guy, Roy Williams, not calling timeouts when he needs to. I can't trust that going into the tournament where i got to make a pick four weeks out. So, uh no thanks, Tar Heels. Yeah, I look at that bottom part of the bracket, and I have white out on my official bracket. Uh, I kept going back between Notre Dame and West Virginia. I can't figure out who's going to win the game. Ultimately, I went with West Virginia. Uh, but I have Xavier uh, coming out of the bottom half of that bracket, uh, ultimately beating West Virginia in the Sweet 16 to take on the Blue Bloods themselves, the Kentucky Wildcats. And this is with an Ohio bias, but I just like Kentucky too much. Uh, I I agree with you totally. I love the way their guards are playing. I think they're the hottest team in the uh, tournament right now. I think Calipari has motivation on his side. It's being snubbed. It's an all-the-way-down-to-a-four seed. Um, If they can get some play from their forwards, uh, they may be the team to beat in this entire tournament. Well, um, let me just say real quick one on the West Virginia, that first round matchup with Stephen F. Austin. They played yeah. with, like West Virginia. That's former assistant to Bob Huggins. Uh so that that's one of the you know, the old can the can the pupil snatch the pebble from the teacher's hand. Uh um, yeah. and it might be a little bit easier. Huggy Bears and putting on the pound so he doesn't move as nimbly as he did, uh, nimbly as he used to. But you talk about Xavier, um we can get by here with an Ohio bias with the Kentucky pick because Tyler Ulysses is from Miami, Ohio. So I was just going to throw that in. Perfect. Let's get down here to the uh, – no, no disrespect to the Musketeers, but I will tell you this. It's fun to see uh, – who knows Xavier, that program, better than Bob Huggins. So if you see that West Virginia-Xavier matchup later. Uh, That's going to be a good one. We get down to the Midwest region, back into the home area. Uh we we said it before, it's going to come down to the fourth matchup between the Spartans and the Wahoo Wives. Uh I'll tell you like this, I like Tom Mizzo over Tony Bennett. Um, we're not, if we were doing karaoke, I'd take the Virginia Cavaliers, but we're playing basketball here. You talk hoops, you talk March, you talk Izzo. 
Yeah, I mean, I gave you my opinion earlier on this ga- on this potential game. Uh, I have UVA in my Final Four. Yes, I have a Final Four without Kansas or Michigan State. Believe that. Uh, Purdue, to me, though, is a dangerous team uh, in that Sweet 16 matchup for UVA. They have the definite size, uh, a size advantage against Virginia, and uh, I think they have some motivation as well, being underseeded uh, as a five seed. So Purdue scares me a little bit. Uh, then back to back, they'll 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 get plenty of Big Ten to get their way to that Final Four. That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you this right now. This is a quick uh, promo for our bracket challenge uh, that's up on ESPN.com. Just search with an Ohio bias, and you can get into our group. And the password is want number two win five zero. So uh, that way you can challenge Jake against this bracket with him not going with Kansas and Kentucky, I mean Kansas and Michigan State, excuse me, with him not choosing Kansas and Michigan State. You basically have a good chance to win $50. Okay, uh, so we move on. <laughs> my, my final four of Kansas, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Michigan State, I got Kansas meeting Michigan State, so me and Jake will know uh, very quickly uh, who will be in better shape to win and uh, I got Kansas winning it all. I just like Bill Self and uh, Carlton Bragg, the Ohio product from the Village of St. Joe's. Uh, Mason, uh, Perry Ellis, the, you know, they, they just come at you in ways. And the Jayhawks got the best talent in basketball. And they got one of the best coaches. That's the best coaching matchup. And those guys, with a tournament year like this, I, I want to go with the guys that know what they're doing and know how to prepare the teams. Yeah, that, that scares me a little bit with one of my picks for the finals. And uh, that's, Buddy Heald and Long Kruger taking out Villanova finally, and OU making it to the final game. Uh, The other side, not so much, because I think Kentucky uh, will take out Virginia after Virginia goes through the meat grinder of the Big Ten. Um, Kentucky versus Oklahoma in the final. I think it's a close game. I think ultimately John Calipari cuts down the net, and Kentucky wins the national title. Now, it is that I like that. I do see this as a uh, Kentucky has that uh, they've got the type of team where they can they can make it through here. I mean, and Coach Cal. Here's the thing, though. You know something that I noticed in that SEC championship in that, that tournament? These guys, there's the one thing they have that all these Kentucky, well, some of the past Kentucky teams had and maybe Calipari's Memphis team, they cannot shoot free throws well. They got a couple guys mm. that do. They got a couple guys that do, Ulysses and Murray do, but when you go through that front court, I mean, that could be something. They miss like six or seven free throws going down the stretch. Um, you know, so they get to the line, but those those big guys up front and whatnot are not very good free throw shooters, and that could be the Achilles heel that keeps the Kentucky Wildcats uh, from winning. If you know me, you know, I didn't talk about it earlier on the show, but I do multiple brackets, so I do have Kentucky winning in a lot of my brackets. So uh, I've got Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. Um, those are the teams that I think can win it all. Uh, I'm going to do a couple dark horses, maybe Texas A&M and Virginia for fun, but uh, nothing, nothing else too crazy. Maybe one for Oklahoma just for the sake of it, but uh, that's about it, so. So I figure we get. Uh, I was gonna say I, I figure we get these generally, or you don't get all these right anyway, and you look like an idiot. So I figure why not go off the bracket a little bit, and come up with some interesting ones. Uh, I, I think as well. I got multiple brackets. I'm not trying to hedge here at all. I'm standing by it. Nova Final Four. Believe it. UVA gets past Michigan State. Finally, Kentucky is your champ. 
Yeah, I've never went 100% correct, but I've had multiple years where I've went 62 out of 64 for the opening round, uh, the opening week. So um, we're hoping to get that hot again. So uh, enjoy the madness. You need to send me a picture of your bracket. You need oh, to send me a I mean, picture well, of your bracket. I got a picture of the text that I made that one. So how about that? Give, give me, send me your best bracket there, D. <laughs> will do, will do. Um, this has been the Embrace the Madness show. Jake, give a plug for the WAOB boss. Yeah, check out uh, With an Ohio Bias Live Friday 2 to 4, scoreonair.com. Uh, you can listen to the show by going to the TuneIn app uh, and downloading it on Google Play or the uh, iPhone app store. Uh, 2 to 4 Fridays, uh, a little weird schedule here the next couple weeks, but uh, we'll be back after that. Check uh, Twitter for any updates on uh, some shows that possibly next Thursday is what I'm thinking uh, will be our next show. Uh, got some things going on in the works. So uh, exciting time, 2 to 4 Fridays, scoreonair.com with an Ohio Bias Live. And then also you can join that bracket again, get that information, but we leave you with Charles Barkley singing us out to the March Madness theme song, One Shining <laughs> Moment. Enjoy the madness. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J. All right, man. My the computer's about to die, so I got to fucking run and plug this thing in and get it rolling. So. All right. That was a good show, I think. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. All right, cool. I'll, uh, right. yeah. Good luck with your brackets, and uh, I'll talk to you this week. This week. All right, bye.